So um, let, me, let me just start in prayer. Lord, I thank you for um, gathering us today. Thank you that you are here. Thank you for your presence of love and mercy and, and speak to each one of our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so we're going through Acts, and today I'm going to share from Acts 23, chapter 23. So just to kind of give us a context to lead us into our today's, today's um, sharing, the um, theme or the good news for today from chapter 23 is, in our suffering, let us lean into love. So um, I'll come back to that um, oftentimes through my sharing. So in Acts 23, it starts out, um, Paul was seized and dragged out of the temple by an angry mob again. So he's in kind of a trial. Um, He's been accused for things. People, the Jewish people are just angry and mad and they want him killed. And so you can't imagine... I don't know how many, but I'm sure it was a big, loud crowd, an angry crowd, and Paul was dragged to the, to the front. And it's not like the court we see um, these days here, where we all have to be silent as the court proceeds. This is a very violent um, group of people, and um, Paul, again, is in fear of his life. So... Um, and, um, you know, why, was, why were they so mad at Paul? And, um, you know, I read different things, but Paul's mission, um, in essence, was his calling to the Gentiles. And that furiated the Jews. Paul wanted to bring and extend the kingdom of Jesus and his love to the Gentiles, to the end of the earth. Not just to the Jews, but to the end of the earth. And the Jews were not happy about that. Um, He would bring um, Gentiles into the temple to worship God. And, you know, that was a no-no. You know, the Jews were just very furiated. The mission of the Jewish people, um, on the other hand, was to preserve. So instead of going out to the ends of the world to extend the kingdom of peace, of shalom, The Jewish people wanted to preserve their law, their tradition, and their identity as the chosen ones. So they're, like Josh was um, shared last week, they wanted to share, I mean, preserve their us, us-ness, me and us, and not extend that blessing to others, to them. So um, the Jewish clearly had the us and them mentality that um, Paul was trying to break. And so that's why it furiated them. Now, in that, in that moment, God gave Paul an idea or a wisdom or maybe it was something that he saw and took as an opportunity. Among the Jewish people, there were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And there were two camps that believed in two different things. So Paul probably thought, wow, how am I going to get out of this time? 
And um, he thought, okay, let me say this. And he, to the crowd, he spoke up and said, let me see, where did it go? Um, I can't find it. Oh, there it is. My brothers, I am a Pharisee, descendant from Pharisees. I mean, he's a son of a Pharisee. I stand on trial because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. When he mentioned the word resurrection, the angry mob divided into two groups. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection, nor the angels or the miracles, the spirits, but the Jewish people did. The Pharisees did. So they got into a fight themselves. And it was, sounds like it was a very violent fight. And to the point where the Roman commander thought, oh no, you know, this is not good for Paul. We're here for his trial, and he might be torn into pieces because of this mob. And so he, the commander, commanded the soldiers to take Paul away from that chaos. And he was brought back to prison. And um, it was um, a miracle almost, maybe, that Paul got out, and he was back in his, still a prisoner in um, the barracks. He was in prison, but he was, he got out of that crisis. So here's Paul in prison, probably very quiet compared to the loudness and the violence that he was just exposed to. Um, Just think for a moment, what is he thinking? What is Paul feeling? Any ideas? Scared. Scared. I imagine he was still scared from what he saw the Jew, I mean the Pharisees could have done to him. He's not away from that danger, scared. What else? Irritated. Irritated by or to whom? Or the whole th- yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm back in prison. Oh my goodness, Lord, when am I gonna get out of this? I'm. My life is in danger. I still am. Any other thoughts? Confinement. That he's confined. That he is a prisoner. Prisoner of this mess. Fear. Danger. Yeah, he can't get out of it. He, yeah, Paul was freed from the trial that day, but yeah, he was still a prisoner. In the in the scripture in um, chapter twenty three, it doesn't really explain how he was um, re- responding or how he was thinking, what he was thinking or feeling it, back in the prison. But I think as humans. I thought maybe I can try to imagine um, what some of the things that he was going through. And also overlapping some of the times when I went through not, not, not a life-threatening danger like what Paul was going through, but you know, times of suffering, times of trouble, um, stress, pressure, you know, how I would respond. And so 
let's have some fun, <laughs> kind of looking through, thinking through, reflecting on yourselves. How would we? How would we have responded in, if we were in Paul's shoes? So the next um, slide. Um, so. I'm not a psychologist, but I'm just from my own experience. I um, thought about four responses that maybe I, I would have had, or I, in general life, in life in general, I would have when I'm in suffering. And the first response is like a bull, a bull who will charge, um, maybe blame. It's all because of the Jews. Lord, why don't you strike them so that I can live and fulfill my calling, you know, to spread the good news? Have you had times in your life when you're threatened, your pride is maybe threatened, and you just want to blame somebody else, blame the situation or others? Okay, the next one. The next reaction is like a pufferfish. When the pufferfish is threatened or is angry, he puffs up. <laughs> so why does, he, why does it puff up with all those little thorns? <sighs> you know? I hate this. Oh, my goodness. I just, I have to fight. I'm going to keep fighting. And I'm so mad. Mad at God. Mad at myself. Mad at the situation. Mad at others. And it's all their fault. I do not deserve it. Angry. Maybe similar to the bull, but um, just I wanted to show anger. <laughs> don't we sometimes respond that way? When things don't go the way we want it? You know, when we're in such pain and anguish? Urgh, I'm so mad. Okay, the next one. Ostrich. <laughs> um, ostrich, when they're under threat, they would bury their head, bury their eyes. I don't want to see this. Uh, um, denying. It's kind of hurting my pride, too. I don't want to admit that I'm not getting along with my coworker. Mm, I don't like it. So I could pretend and live like everything's fine. But my head is under the sand. My, even my feelings, my heart is hiding, and I don't want to show it. No, I don't want to see either. <laughs> the next one, the fourth one, turtle. Turtles, you know, when they're under threat, they just, what, hide. And um, I do that a lot, um, hiding Hiding because I'm scared. Hiding maybe out of shame. I don't want people to see what I'm going through right now or how I'm feeling responding to certain situations. Um, I think we're good at hiding. And there's a lot of cultural um, tendencies or differences in how we were raised, but we do react and respond to trials and challenges in different ways. Um, the, yeah, there is a, um, uh, I don't know if he's a counselor, a psychologist, his name is John Townsend, and he calls um, 
our response to um, pain as hiding. And there's harmful hiding, and at the same time, sometimes they, those are necessary, helpful hidings. So when the situation is so tough and you don't know how to deal with it, there's a certain period of time when you just really need to hide or times when you need to fight because you don't want injustice you know, happening, pouring onto you all the time. So there's good sides to it, but um, the longer it goes on, um, yeah, Townsend says that it's not helpful. So in suffering, what is your response? Is there one response that um, speaks to you or um, that you think, oh, no, maybe that's me. I tend to respond this way. In good ways or bad ways, we do respond. I wanted to ask a question. So what, in those four different ways of responding to suffering, what, um, if there's one common denominator or one common thing, what do you think that is? Or what are some common um, things about those re responses? Isolation. I fear, a lot of fear, and you don't know. Self-protection. Preservation, yes. And we do need that. We need to protect ourselves. We need to preserve ourselves. Um, but in the long run, yes, we're isolating ourselves. Yeah, the common factor that you can see... Um, is just pushing people away as we hide, as we blame, as we blow up in anger, we do tend to um, exclude other people in the process of dealing with our challenges. Um, and so what was Jesus' response? So, yeah, I went, we went to all this because we were trying to imagine how Paul must have felt or how Paul must have um, responded in his cell we see that um, Jesus had his response in that story. We see um, in verse 11, um, the following night the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, you must also testify in Rome. So there's a lot of things that is in that, loaded in that verse. We see that the Lord... Jesus stood by Paul. In his anguish and fear and in, in his danger, Lord Jesus was there with him and said, take courage. So he was there to encourage Paul. You're not alone. I'm here with you. He also gave a promise to Paul in his suffering that you did a good job, you testified about me. Maybe in human eyes it didn't work, and you're still in danger for your life, but you testified, good job, and you will also do that in Rome. And that's how, that was a promise, Jesus was going to take Paul into Rome. He was trying to get there so many times, 
and um, he still hadn't been able to. So there's that divine um, providence or divine care that he will make sure that Paul goes to Rome. And it didn't change the circumstances. Paul was still in danger, and he may still remain a prisoner. But Jesus had a plan and a purpose. So um, all in all, if Jesus said to take courage, I think Paul was encouraged, don't you think? If Jesus was there and spoke to me and said, take courage, he told me, I think I would be encouraged. So he was encouraged, and Jesus stands by us and speaks to us. So that was um, Jesus' response. Paul, I understand, but I am here. Um, can we see the next? So I want to pause, maybe spend about three minutes looking at the picture of Jesus and how he responded to people in crisis. If you can't see too well, you could walk toward the screen to see the images. If you don't understand what each picture is, you could ask a friend or a family member. But let's spend about three minutes and ask Jesus to show you that he is there and how he responded to these people. In your suffering, challenges, and troubles, was Jesus with you? Is he with you? In our suffering, let's lean into Jesus. I had a roommate in my 20s, early 20s, as my first roommate um, at school. And uh, one day, to make a very long story short, she was in a car wreck. And five others were in the car, and one of the girls was killed in the accident. You know, the anguish, the guilt, the, um, the pressure she was under. And um, I was her roommate. I may have shared this in one of the devotionals. We, we really cried out to God every night, wondering why and where is he? Do you even care? And it was such a struggle for her and for me as a roommate. Um, in, in our anguish and hopelessness, really questioning God and the why, many whys, one thing that I learned we couldn't deny, I couldn't deny, is that we had each other. And in my mind, I knew Jesus was with us. He was there in our room, understanding our pain, her pain, and um, there doing his work. But it was hard. I couldn't, we couldn't see him. I couldn't, we couldn't understand what he was telling us. And um, it's hard sometimes to, to know. We know, we see that Jesus cares and loves, but 
in our real day-to-day life, in our mess, it's hard to know where he is. Um, but it's interesting how he, when he could just wipe out all our tears and our suffering and our sorrow and rebuild his kingdom at a snap of, I don't have a good snap, but he could do that, right? <laughs> but he doesn't. And he, in char- it gives, he, he gives and he entrusts his work with us, his mission with us to build his kingdom, to extend his kingdom. And it's taking thousands of years, maybe longer. Um, but he still trusts us to care for one another and to spread his goodness, his mercy, his peace. Um, can we, in our suffering, in our trials, lean onto our friend? Is there a listening friend who cares enough to listen to you, your heart's cry? Is there somebody you know who needs your love, your shoulders to cry on? Thankful for kingdom friends and our spiritual family. Okay, what's next? Um, yeah, to finish, I want to share a video. Um, it's a video made by um, Alongsiders International. I uh, haven't shared about Alongsiders for a while, but this is a video that um, shows who Alongsiders are and what they're called to do. And it also shows the transforming power of when a lonely, empty child um, has a shoulder to lean on, a warm body to walk with, and life is transformed. So let's take a look. It's about three minutes long. So in suffering, let us lean into love. And that is a um, woodblock artwork by a um, Japanese artist. And I think it's supposed to be the Last Supper, but there were more people in it, so I thought it represented us, <laughs> new creation, Albuquerque. And um, yeah, let us um, lean on to each other, lean into God, and encourage one another in our, in our walk of life. Thank you.